Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And a very warm welcome to you today to St. George's Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. We're really glad that you're here on this rainy day. Um, I'd like to begin really quickly by... um, cautioning everyone about Lent a little bit, because like Gloria Estefan once sang uh, uh, about love, Lent can cut both ways, you know, and so, um, and when it's in, like, when it's handled wrongly, what happens is is that Lent uh, becomes this kind of, um, this incredibly deceptive season, which uh, fuels the flames of our own self-righteousness. And, uh, and, uh, and it becomes a giant self-improvement project, as opposed to what Lent is actually about. And Lent is about, uh, through uh, practices of prayer and meditation and the study of God's holy word, to put us in touch with our need for a savior. It's to remind us that we're finite. It's to remind us that we're not immortal. And this is why the gospel reading for the first Sunday of Lent is always Jesus in the wilderness. It's often taught, you know, now, this gospel reading, put up your dukes and take on the devil. And, you know, and I'll say more on that in just a bit. And that's to put, uh, make the season very deadly. What's going on here is something far more profound. And this is, though, why our reading every Sunday is Jesus in the wilderness where he did not eat for 40 days, and at the very end of that 40-day season, Jesus is faced by the devil with three very specific temptations. First, Jesus is tempted with, uh, with his appetite. And then second, Jesus is tempted with worship. And then third, Jesus is tempted with his status. And these are temptations that you and I all face and have totally failed. They're common to all of us. But here's the important thing. Notice, Jesus is not being tempted with actions. He's not being tempted with action. The devil begins each of the temptations with the conjunction, if. If you are the Son of God. See, that's very important, because in the previous chapter of Luke's gospel, Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan, and the dove descends upon him, and from heaven, the voice of the Father rings out, this is my well-beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so there in the wilderness, the King, the beloved Son, is tempted with, if you are the Son of God. If is very important because it tells us these temptations are first and foremost not about behavior. Rather, they are first and foremost about your faith. And this is my first point. Temptation is never first and foremost about behavior. Rather, temptation is always about faith. Did God really say? Take it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? If you are, did God really say you're the Son of God? 
every temptation to sin all the way back to the Garden of Eden has its roots in the temptation to not believe what God has said. I love how the great reformer John Calvin put it. Christians are in perpetual conflict with their own unbelief. Christianity is a religion that is based on faith, on belief. That's what the word orthodoxy means as opposed to orthopraxy. Right belief. It's a religion that's based on faith over and above our actions. As Christians, we believe our actions actually forth, for, flow forth from our belief and faith. This is why in John chapter 6, when Jesus is challenged by the Pharisees, the Pharisees ask him, they say, hey, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? And that's a question people always ask me too. What's the will of God, Jacob? You know, and we want to go to actions. But Jesus responds to the Pharisees by saying, The will of the Father is that you believe in the one whom he sent. That's what this is about. Believe in me. That's the will of God for your life. Our failure to lay aside sin is so often the direct result of our refusal to believe in Jesus. Our refusal to believe in the good news of the gospel. That all of the resource, all of the provision, all that we ultimately need to stand before God is already ours, totally given in Jesus Christ. I once heard it said that anxiety, and you're talking to a guy who wrestles with a lot of anxiety, um, but anxiety is nothing more than the liturgy we perform when we start believing the devil's ifs. Rather, oh, you know, Luther, he went on to say this. He said to be convinced in our hearts that we have the forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing for a human. I mean, to believe that God loves you, that God has made you his righteousness right now. I mean... And that everything is taken care of. I mean, to believe that is so much harder than just giving up soda and chocolate. Especially as New Yorkers. I mean, think about that. As New Yorkers, we're all seasoned do-it-yourselfers. You make it here because you are a pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps kind of person. I know, for me, even as your rector... It's so much easier for me to make lists and run around in anxiety and in the wreckage of the future and fool myself that I'm progressing than to actually believe and rest in the provision of Christ alone. Unlike Jesus in the wilderness, I would much rather take matters into my own hands. I've got this one, Jesus. And this is my second point. Unbelief, unbelief is ultimately slavery. Unbelief in the gospel is to remain lost in the wilderness, especially the wilderness of yourself, because you are left on your own to satisfy your appetites, which are never fulfilled. 
You are left on your own to worship and save yourself. You are left on your own to ultimately set yourself free. And the testimony of all the fads and false religions out there is this, good luck with that. The great American author and philosopher Walker Percy once described humanity as waiting for news. And we're all waiting for news, aren't we? The gospel, though, is that good news. The gospel is the good news, especially for Lent, that you no longer actually have to save yourself, defend yourself, justify yourself, free yourself, and that the ultimate verdict over your life because of Jesus, who was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, is like that scene from the Christmas carol, A plus, 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 plus. That's the testimony over your life. That's the banner which is love. When God sees you, he is well pleased because of his son. A plus. And that is the good news of our reading today. Not that Jesus has modeled three new disciplines for you to follow to defeat the devil. You remember the curse from Genesis chapter 3. You are dust. And then the curse of the snake. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat. Before the devil on your own, you're a snack. Every first reader of this gospel and Matthew and Mark would have read this and said, finally, what's that Ella Fitzgerald song? Finally, at last, my love has come around. Here is the one. Here is the one. What we need, what we need and long for most is a substitute Just think about your own life in the shower, you know, at five in the morning. Maybe I'm the only one, and you're like, damn, I wish I would have done that. You know, ugh, two in the morning, you're in bed. If only I would have made that left turn in Albuquerque. And I'm performing my liturgy before the gods that don't speak. And then the Spirit draws us to this text. And we're relieved once again. Here is the one. Here's the one, my substitute, my champion, who has defeated and conquered temptation for you and me. And he still loves you and me and forgives you and me despite our unbelief and our failure to resist. And this is my third point. And carry this with you as we go forth into a holy Lent. What we need and long for most has come and has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Hence, real freedom in the midst of temptation. Hence, real freedom in our failures. Hence, real freedom in the wilderness. And this only happens... This only happens because of the resources already given in the unconditional love of God found in Christ. God's unmerited grace. 
God's real forgiveness, it smashes right through us. It smashes our need to secure ourselves, our needs to justify ourselves. And it says rest in what's already been secured for you in Jesus. Remember you're loved. A plus. And have a blessed Lent. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.